Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 47 to 56. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen in this way? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were abandoned? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for reading our wonderful word. Welcome, friends, to week three of our sermon series, Passion. During this Lent season, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we will study the passion of Jesus as Jesus travels along and we will travel with Jesus through scripture on his journey to the cross. The first week, we learned of the anointing at Bethany, where the woman knew that she had to anoint Jesus to prepare his body for his death. She knew that time was of the essence and she had to seize the moment. And last week we learned about the last meal. It was the last supper that the disciples would have with Jesus as I call our first communion. And at that meal, Jesus predicts his death and his betrayer. And so this week with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will explore the betrayal of Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be your messenger. Crucify my flesh. Allow your Holy Spirit to rise up within me. Preach your word, Holy Spirit. Teach it, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, and open our minds, God. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. Stir us up, God. Leave us here wondering, thinking, ready. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. There are several stories in the Bible about betrayal. To name a couple, in the book of Judges, we have Delilah, who was supposedly in love with Samson, yet she betrays Samson and turns him over to the Philistines. And in 2 Samuel, we have King David 
this wonderful king, yet his son Absalom betrays his father and wants to kill him. Hmm. And then in our text today, we see Judas as he betrays Jesus. To betray, one must first gain trust or loyalty of another. Betrayal is only something that someone real close to you, a loved one or a friend, someone you trust can do. For an example, an enemy and a foe, they can attack you, deceive you, set you up, stab you in the back, and you expect those things from someone that does not like you. But my granny used to say, your best friend can become your worst enemy. Think about it. Who knows you better than anyone but a close friend or a loved one? Who knows your strengths and your weaknesses? Hmm. And if they use that against you or because of your faith and trust in their loyalty to you, you wouldn't expect them to betray you. So last week during the meal, Jesus predicts, one of the disciples will betray me. The disciples, remember, they asked Jesus the question, surely not I, Lord. And then Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. And then Jesus tells them, whoever places his hands in the bowl with me is the one. And there's Judas sitting right next to Jesus. And wow, he leaves to go and betray Jesus. Hmm, what a meal. Church, later in the service, we will partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of what Christ went through and what Christ did for us. So Judas leaves to go and betray Jesus. Now remember I said a betrayer is someone that's close to you. So let's look at Judas for a minute. Here is Judas. Judas is one of the 12 apostles, Jesus' closest friends. Jesus has lived and Judas and Jesus have lived together for three years. And here is Judas. He witnesses Jesus' miracles. Jesus is preaching and teaching. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000, when Jesus gave sight to the blind, when Jesus commanded the lame to walk, when Jesus walked on water, when Jesus raised the dead. He saw Jesus' fellowship with sinners, yet Jesus did not sin. Judas his close friend. Judas was so close, yet he was so far away. Have you ever been so close, yet so far away? Judas was with Jesus for three years, yet he could not make the transition from Jesus as rabbi to Jesus as Lord. Jesus, well, Judas was so close to Jesus that he would not allow Jesus' transforming power to work in his life. Now, Judas was not a bad man. Judas was well respected by the others. He was the treasurer. 
Who else do you trust with your money? <laughs> Judas was trustworthy. The others respected him. Judas's name is a great name, so his parents named him greatly. And when Judas comes on the scene, unlike the other apostles, Judas is not described by his weakness or a low-paying job or trickery. No, Judas comes on the scene well-respected and known, a good person. We're talking about Judas, the one who decided, I'm going to stay with Jesus just like the other 11. When they got with Jesus, when Jesus had the 70 and they were all together and they wanted to worship Jesus and follow Jesus. And then when they realized there was no mansion, there was no Cadillac, there was no good life, no riches, no gains, most of them went back home and said, I'm done. But here is Judas, he says, no. I'm going to stay with Jesus regardless. Church, it is easy to point fingers at Judas, yet some of us at some point in our lives have been a Judas. We could have said amen on that one. We have all betrayed Jesus somewhere in our lives. I remember growing up, and my grandmother used to talk about playing church. Have you ever played church? Well, pastor confessed, I played church before. <clears throat> you know, you play church when you, you, you come to church on Sunday, dressed to impress. You look in your best, you know, you look the part, right? And you come and then, you know, you get so excited and you get this warm feeling. And, and so you want to be a part of something that's bigger than you. And so you have your whole family active in the church. You know, you show up for Sunday school, you know, you in a small group, you're in Bible study. You do everything. Yet your actions, your deeds and your words, they don't match what you sit in here on Sunday and say. You exclude people. You look down at people. You point fingers at people. You judge people. Hmm, that's not Christ-like. That's playing church. <laughs> you know, Judas, <clears throat> He played church. Christ is the head of the church. Judas was with Christ, who's the head of the church. He was so close, but he still didn't get it. Some of us are so close. We've been on a church roll 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, yesterday, whenever but we're still far away. Just like Judas, we don't see Jesus as Lord. We see Jesus as teacher, as prophet, way maker, a fixer upper. Let's look at the arrest. Everything about the arrest is sneaky, right? I mean, first you got, Jesus is not being arrested for committing a crime so the, the Romans are not after him. The Roman soldiers don't come and arrest him. 
No, it's the religious leaders with their slaves and their servants. It's a crowd. Second, they arrest Jesus at night. So there's no interference. You know, my dad used to say sneaky things happen after midnight, right? So here it is, it's at night, it's late at night, and they're being sneaky because they know this is a vulnerable time for Jesus and his apostles. They know that they don't have the support of the crowds that follow them by day. And who would know that better than Judas? who has been there and knows the routine and knows the schedule. So Judas leads the crowd to Jesus. And later in scripture, Jesus calls them out. You know, one thing about Jesus, Jesus will call you out on what you're doing or what you think you're trying to do, especially when you're trying to be slick. And Jesus says, What's up? Why are y'all arresting me at night? I come to the temple every day. I'm teaching every day in the temple. You can arrest me while I'm there. Why did you wait till nighttime and come? And then you're gonna come with swords and clubs? You're gonna come after me like I'm a bandit? When you know I'm gonna come to the temple, I always come to the temple, you know where I'm gonna be. And you're gonna come at me like this? And Matthew, he begins the arrest with Judas giving Jesus a kiss. See, Judas, he told the crowd, now when we come in and before we attack, Arrest the one that I kiss. See, Judas, he greets Jesus. This is powerful. He stands there and says, Greetings, Rabbi. He still can't see Jesus as Lord. He still calls him Rabbi. And the kiss is to let them know this is the one. This is my plea that this is the one you need to arrest. This is the one that's called Jesus. Get him. And here's the the part I love the most is Jesus' response. When Judas kisses Jesus, and says, greetings, friend. Jesus looks at him and says, friend, do what you come to do. I struggle with that, church. How could Jesus call him a friend? Why didn't Jesus call him a backstabber, a traitor? Why didn't Jesus call him trickery, evil, low down or other words that I could think of instead of calling him a friend. And then I thought to myself, maybe Jesus is showing us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So Jesus sees 
beneath Judas the person. He sees that Satan is working in him. And so Jesus still sees Judas the person as his friend. Or maybe Jesus is calling him friend because Jesus says in scripture, he says, I will call you friend if you do as I command. Jesus told him, come and do what you come to do. Or maybe Jesus was calling him out, friend, do what you came here to do. Friend, you were with me three years. Friend, I trusted you. Friend, this is how you show me that you love me. Friend, really? Well, church, I concluded that that is between Jesus and Judas. So now they're getting ready to arrest Jesus. And scripture tells us that Peter, he retaliates, he pulls out the sword and he cuts off the ear of a servant. And you know, back in my day, I was like, that's right, Peter retaliate. They do you, you do them back. I feel Peter. You know, I don't know what I would do if somebody was trying to come after my mama. You know what I'm saying? Or my children. It's something about when we're under pressure, we go back to what we know and what we used to doing. You know, I was sharing with Davis in the office Wednesday. We were up here talking about the this scripture and I said, Davis, I just don't know. I think my collar might have to come off if somebody came after my family. I don't think I would be Reverend Toy. I would be Toy. Yeah, and not even Miss Toy. I would just be Toy. You see, Peter doesn't understand that Jesus has to go and Jesus has to die so that we might live. Jesus has to get arrested. Jesus has to go. Jesus is not being defeated like Peter thinks he is. See, Peter's like, no. He sees defeat, I retaliate. He doesn't understand that Jesus is in control and this has to happen and that Jesus is going to get the victory. But Jesus also invites us into an attitude of being totally committed to God's will. Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, you stop. This is not what we do. And I imagine Jesus saying, and you know, looking like this saying, Peter, I'm Jesus. If I wanted to shut this down, all I gotta do is say, daddy, send the troops and it's over. But he doesn't. Jesus gives us an example of being willing, being faithful, and being obedient to the will of God for your life. Jesus knows that not just his life, but our lives depended on his passion. And Jesus demonstrates how we 
are supposed to be. Jesus gives us an example of how the kingdom of God operates, not through retaliation, but through faith and obedience. Scripture tells us in Luke 22 and 51 that Jesus touches the servant's ear and he heals the servant. Jesus heals the very ones that arrest him. Only Jesus could do that. Jesus never loses character and continues to heal all the way to the cross. God's ways are always higher than ours because I would have been like Peter. If you're going to take me, we fight. I'm going to fight all the way to the end. <laughs> Work on me, Jesus. Jesus' passion to the cross is for our benefit. Yes, <clears throat> Not just us, but also Judas. <laughs> Jesus' passion for the cross is for me, for you, and for Judas, and for everyone. Jesus' passion allows him to be obedient, and Jesus does not resist arrest. Jesus willingly says, take me. I am he. I'm ready. Let's go. Jesus faces the crowd, a crowd that he could defeat, yet know his passion, his will, his drive, his love for me and for you. He was like, no, it's all or nothing. Jesus knows that it's his father's will and this is the way it has to be. I'm willing to go wherever I've got to go, face whatever I have to face in order to save you. And yes, to save those that betray me too. That's us. We do it every day. We betray Jesus every day when we don't act the way Jesus has called us to act and we're not living the way Jesus has taught us to live and we don't serve and we don't love and we don't give, we don't welcome. We're betraying Jesus every day. We're no better than Judas and we do it with a kiss too. We praise him. We lift holy hands. We lay at the altar and pray. We're so close, yet at times we're so far. But church, tonight we have a table. We have a table set for all, for us to come, taste and see that God is good and God is real. It's the time for us to repent of our betrayal of Jesus, to lament, to ask God to continue to teach us, equip us, save us, prepare us, call us, use us. The table is set for us. So brothers and sisters, 
Jesus' passion took him to the cross. And our passion for Christ should allow us to take up our cross, bear our cross, and follow Jesus to the cross. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let the church say, Amen, amen, and amen.